Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us. And again, good morning to those of you over in Appleton and Stevens Point, all who watch us on television in northern Wisconsin and all over the world on the internet. And no, on the way to church, I did not mug a Cuban guy and steal his clothes. <laughs> These are my clothes. It's summertime. Brings out my inner Puerto Rican. Which is very similar to my outer Puerto Rican. And uh, uh, real quick this morning, we have a missions update. Today's Mission Sunday. Let's take a look at our numbers. We are up to $121,926 so far this year. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, these are extra funds given above and beyond to just minister to people all over the world. As you can see, we are now well ahead of where we were last year. Last time I made this announcement, we were behind. We have caught up. Thanks for stepping up and making that possible. If you've never been on one of these mission trips and outreaches, you really ought to consider going on one. We have one that's getting, being planned now to go to Haiti to put in a well in Haiti. And this is going to be uh, February 17th through the 24th. Talk to your campus pastors for more information. So February 17th is a good time to go to Haiti. It's a lot warmer there than here. We are in a series, an extended series. Every once in a while, I do one of these long, <laughs> drawn-out series, but it's okay. We're doing one called The Significant Events of the Old Testament. Important so that we can understand who we are, why we're here, why we worship the way that we worship. All this, So much history comes from the Old Testament. We're not reading through the entire Old Testament, just the significant portions of it. We're in Genesis. A lot of it uh, starts in Genesis. We'll speed up as we go along here, but uh, Genesis has a lot it is all about the beginnings. How did we get here? Why are we here? How did all this happen? Uh, we read about Abraham, uh, Isaac, and now Jacob, the three patriarchs. Jacob eventually will have his name. God changes his name to Israel. And uh, that's why even to this day we have the nation of Israel. And there are 12 tribes in the, uh, that make up Israel. We're going to explain to you today where that comes from. So some of what we share in the Old Testament is very inspirational. Some of it's kind of historical. Today we'll have a little bit of both. Um, and we're going to start out now talking about uh, Jacob. Now remember, Jacob is a twin. He tricks his older brother into coughing up his birthright and giving it to Jacob. Foolish thing to do. The Bible warns us, don't sell out your birthright for nothing. His brother did it for a bowl of beans. Uh, Jacob has this dream where he experiences God, he sees this ladder going up and down, angels descending and rising from heaven, uh, or a staircase, whatever, whatever the description is. It's called Jacob's Ladder. 
people debate, debate what the meaning of it is. I don't think the meaning is really important at all. What's insignificant is that he experiences God for himself. And I talked about this when we talked about this uh, uh, several weeks ago. Um, you can't just live off of your parents' faith. You can't just live off of your grandparents' faith. Your granny might have been the most devout, wonderful saint on earth, but that doesn't do you jack if you don't experience God. You need to experience God for yourself. And this is what happens to Jacob, and he has this encounter with God, and it has a dramatic impact on his life. All right, then he goes to work for his uncle Laban, and uh, Laban has two very interesting daughters, and back in those days, it was extremely common. Actually, it was a common up until even not even 100 years ago. Uh, people married their cousins, first cousins. Uh, a little creepy when you think about it, but that's what they did. And uh, so he sees these girls. One of them is quite the pretty girl. Her name's Rachel. The other one, not so pretty. Bless her heart. Her name is Leah. She's the plain banana, okay? So, uh, Jacob says to Laban, hey, I'll work for you for seven years if I can have Rachel. And Laban says, no problem. So he starts working for seven years. He works, and then finally he comes and says, okay, time for me to get married. And Laban says, great. So they have this big party and stuff like that. And then on his wedding night, uh, Laban sends in uh, Leah instead of Rachel. Now, he doesn't know about this till the next morning. Okay, so how's that possible? Because you'd pretty much know somebody, if you knew anybody, for an hour or two, you'd pretty much know if it's them or somebody else, right? Well, it's because they didn't date back in those days. They, didn't, they weren't hanging out, I promise you. Their introduction to, introduction to each other was their wedding night. Hello, okay. Well, the next morning, the lights come on. <laughs> they didn't have light bulbs back then. And, ah, he's got the plain one. And he freaks out. And he goes to Laban and says, hey, what's the deal? And Laban says, hey, it's our custom. You know, you can't just give up the, uh, bypass the older sister first. So um, he says, well, I want Rachel. He says, okay, you can have Rachel, but, you know, finish out the week with Leah. <laughs> it's literally what he says. We read it last week or a couple weeks ago. It's very funny. Uh, well, funny to us. So he finishes out his week, and then he gets Rachel right away. Now, what is often I've heard since I was a little boy that, he had to work for another seven years before he got her. No, no, no. He gets her right away, but then he has to work another seven years. 14 years at this point. He eventually winds up at least putting in a good 20 years. He had a hard time getting away from him, uh, as we'll read. He actually runs away from it. So Laban <laughs> really had his hands around his neck. So anyway, so that's the story of Rachel and Leah. Rachel, the pretty girl, he gets. Leah always felt despondent because she wasn't so pretty. You can tell that he didn't really love her like he loved Rachel. So we pick up the story now because, and the reason why we're going through this is this is where the 12 tribes of Israel come from. Again, Jacob, his name is turned to Israel, come from these ladies. Okay. Now, when they got married, one of the gifts that daddy gave them was a servant girl. Uh, so there's basically four women in this situation here. Let's pick it up. It says, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Less. Uh, I said childish in the first one. I'm childish. This is childless. So uh, now when you read stuff like this comments, the Lord didn't let her conceive and the Lord let the other one conceive. You have to understand in the Old Testament, particularly in these early books of the Bible, anything that happened was the Lord. 
if an apple fell from the tree, the Lord caused the apple to fall. If, you know, everything that happened was God. Uh, Jesus actually starts to clarify this when he uh, starts his ministry. A bunch of guys come to him and say, you know, this tower fell over, killed a bunch of guys. Well, was that God killing these guys because they were sinners? And Jesus says, no, no, it's not about that. Not everything that happens is God. I've told you this many times. It's interesting how many people blame God. They ignore God the rest of the time. When something bad happens, it's God's fault. You know, my friend died in a, in a motorcycle accident. Why did that happen? Why did God do that? God didn't do that. He was on a motorcycle. He didn't have a helmet on. He was driving too fast and he was half drunk. God had nothing to do with it. All right? Something bad happened. You know, like people, you know, why, why did God let somebody walk into a high school and, and shoot a bunch of kids or whatever the deal is? All right? Well, God had nothing to do with it. And by the way, these are the very same schools that ban God. It's interesting, right? You can't talk about God here. You go to jail. But when something bad happens, it's God's fault. You know, people are crazy. Everything that happens is not God. Bad things happen because we live in a bad world. All right? And there's a lot of people, we're full of a world of people who've rebelled against God, and there's a lot of evil in this world. So, well, how do we handle it? That's why we pray the Lord's Prayer together, deliver us from evil. All right? There's bad stuff out there. You need to pray for yourself, pray for your family, your children, and God will protect them from all the crazy that's out there. Stuff happens, and it's not all God by a long shot. However, in the Old Testament, everything that happens is God. Even some of the most bizarre things, they say it was God. The way that you can really check it out is you need to read all of it, see what's going on. Look, see if a prophet was involved, or if an angel visited them, or the word of God spoke to them, or something like that. Those are the times you can really tell what was God or, or what wasn't God. And sometimes you can just do your best guess, you know. And I, I just don't think it's God's nature to... Uh, take the pretty girl and not make her have babies because she's prettier than her ugly sister. It doesn't sound like God, right? So, I mean, but this is, everything's God to these people. So, you always want to look and see exactly what's going on. So, Leah becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son. She names him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. It's so sad, Right? She's not the pretty one, and she wants her husband to love her so desperately. He said, well, now he'll love me because I have a baby. Well, that's not the way it works, girls, all right? And, and don't, don't be doing this baby mama nonsense, all right? These ladies having babies with all these boys. The reason they do, you know, don't they figure it out, how this works? But they keep doing it because they actually think, if I get pregnant, then he'll love me. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't be doing all that crazy anyway. All right, but don't be thinking in those kinds of terms. But she does. So she conceives again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord has heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. And so she named him Simeon. And each one of these Hebrew words identifies their feelings of all these different events. We won't get into it. It's not really important for us. Uh, again, she conceived. So she's not the pretty one, but she's staying fairly active. Not that ugly, you know what I'm saying? She's not as, not as pretty as that one, okay? So she conceives again, and she gave birth to a son. Uh, where am I? Oh, gave birth to a son and said, now at last my husband will be attached to me because I born him three sons. And he was named Levi. She conceives again. By the way, the ugly one or the plain one or how, what are, the, the way that you describe it, uh, and is, is the one who has the lion's share of the babies. So most of, I think at least six of 
the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons come from this girl. So now she's got four. All right, she praises the Lord. She names him Judah. Then the Bible says, then she stopped having children. Now, here's the thing about the Old Testament. This is very true. Not so much of the New Testament. New Testament is easier to read, you know, for us. This is stuff that was written thousands of years ago, the way they told events and stuff like that. As you can't really find out what they're talking about until later on in the story. And it gets a little confusing. Oftentimes, you'll start, you know, they'll talk about some guys came along and halfway through, oh, oh, they were angels. Why didn't they tell us at the beginning? It's just the way they wrote. So when you're reading the Old Testament, you can't really figure out exactly what's going on until you do, as uh, Paul Harvey said, get to the rest of the story. All right? So right now, she stopped having children. The reason she stopped having children is Rachel pressures her husband to stop sleeping with her because she's getting jealous. These two girls are going at it. They're not, as you can tell, a lot of sparks are flying. Okay, big Bible cat fight here. All right? So she stopped having children. Now, the next verse, which is the next chapter, when Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister, you think? So she says to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. (laughs) And Jacob gets angry with her and says, am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? It's not my fault. I'm doing my due diligence. All right. It's just not working. I don't know why it's not working. So, she says, then here is Bilhah, my servant. Now, here's how it worked in those days. If you had a servant, anything the servant did belonged to you. Okay? Uh, it's kind of like that, even, <laughs> even the jobs you have, which is our version of slavery today. <laughs> we all have jobs, right? So you do stuff uh, on the job. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to your employer. Well, it's that on steroids. Back Anything. The servant, of course, they were slaves. They had no freedoms. Anything they did. So she literally gave Jacob the servant girl so that she could have children for her. Because anything she would have belonged to her. So back then, you know, they could stick in the servant. You know, they're kind of like pinch hitters. You know, to use a baseball analogy. So batting for Rachel is Bilhah, number 23, steps to the plate. And she says, so here's Bilhah, my servant. Sleep with her so she can bear children for me. And I can too can build a family. So he says, here, take her and have a baby. And he goes, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Jacob slept with her, the Bible says. Not sure much how much sleeping was occurring, but anyway. Verse 5, as she became pregnant and bore him a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. Because of this, she named him Dan, again, God vindicated, I don't know, you know, everything was God to these people. I think the reason this happened because she stuffed her to him. Now, Rachel's servant, Bilhah, conceived again. So apparently, Jacob liked this scenario. And bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, I have had a great struggle with my sister. (laughs) So sad, these two going at it. And I've won. I don't know, it's two to four. I don't know how you figure you're winning at this point. But anyway, (laughs) so she named him Naphtali. Now, when Leah saw that she had stopped having children, again, we'll find out why in just a minute. It's because Rachel wouldn't let Jacob sleep with her anymore. So when Rachel and Leah saw this, and she says, hey, it's two to four. You got to protect the lead, right? So she sends in a relief pitcher and gives him her servant, Zilpah. 
So she took Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as his wife. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, what good fortune! <laughs> this is the baby wars here. They're pimping out Joseph all over the place. So, so she named him Gad. I'd say Egad at this point, but anyway. And then Leah's servant Zilpah bore him a second son. And then Leah said, how happy am I? The women will call me happy. So she named her Asher. I think we'll call y'all nuts. But anyway, that's what's going on. Now, during the wheat harvest, Reuben, who is son number one. Now, this doesn't happen overnight. This is taking years. This is, he's a young guy at this point. I don't know, he's a teenager. What the deal is? He's out. Uh, uh, where'd he go? He's out during the wheat harvest. He's out in the fields. And when he's out in the fields, he finds some mandrake plants, which he brought to his mother. Now, this is a valuable plant. People, even to this culture, they still really like these mandrake plants. Plants. Now, the deal with the mandrake plant, even to this day, uh, one, apparently, you can dry it out and smoke it. <laughs> you know, it's like magic mushrooms. Whee! Oh, or the other thing for the mandrake plants is they thought it was and considered it a fertility drug, basically. So it's a rare plant. Uh, so Rachel sees that he gets mandrake. She hears mandrake plants. So, where am I? Eyes all open. Rachel says to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But Leah says to her, wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Ta-da! That's why she wasn't having any more babies. You took away my husband. Now you want to take away my son's mandrakes too? Rachel says, okay. He can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. So she's pimping him out back to Leah. When Jacob came in from the fields that evening, Leah went out to meet him and says, you must sleep with me. I've hired you. <laughs> you think I'm being disrespectful? I said, they're pimping him out. They're pimping him out, man. I've hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he goes, okay. <laughs> He's got four chicks throwing themselves at him in these baby wars. So God listened to Leah, and she became pregnant. Well, I think she became pregnant because, anyway. Uh, and bore Jacob a fifth son, as fifth for Leah. Then Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband. <sighs> Again, what the thing, everything is God. God rewarded her for giving the servant to the husband to have more babies, so God gives her another baby. Again, you have to remember, these people know little to nothing about God. This is at least 300, maybe 350 years before the Ten Commandments. They don't know anything. They just know there's this God that shows up and starts calling them to himself to start a new nation. So anyway, so that was, that's what she's thinking here. Um, da, da, da. And then verse 19, apparently they kept the situation going. Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son, then Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband will treat me with honor because I bore him, born him six sons. She's trying desperately to be loved. And it's just heartbreaking. Sometime later, she gives birth again. Now this time to a daughter named Dinah, which is a real interesting story. <laughs> so this stuff is highly entertaining. Wait till we get to this. All right, it's coming. Stay tuned. All right. Anyway, then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. Either 
God, in fact, did intervene or those mandrake plants really did work for her, as many people believe that's what these are for. And she finally, all these years later, becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son. And she says, God has taken away my disgrace. Huge disgrace for these women. The worst thing is that they couldn't have children. So she names him Joseph and said, may the Lord add to me another son. So she prays another, for another son as soon as she has this one. But this is Joseph. This young man becomes a major player. You do not want to miss this story. Come to church every Sunday. We're going to be talking about Joseph, telling you the story of Joseph. This young man, his life is incredible. One of the most amazing stories, truly, in the Bible is the life of Joseph. It's, anyway, it's because of Joseph that the entire family winds up in Egypt. And then once they're in Egypt, a pharaoh comes along and enslaves the entire family in small nation, turns them into a nation of slaves. And they remain slaves for 400 years until a man by the name of Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, God says, let my people go. And wait till we get to that. Amazing stuff coming. Uh, we'll just wrap this up now to get to the 12th son in chapter 35. Uh, verse 16, then they moved on from Bethel. While they were still some distance from Ephra, Rachel began to give birth. So she got pregnant again. This is the second one. But she had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife was trying to encourage her, don't despair, you're having another son. But as she breathed her last, for she was dying, her last breath, she named him Ben-Onai. Sad word uh, because of the sad situation. But dad changes the name and calls him Benjamin. This is where these 12 boys come from. Six from Leah, two from Rachel, and the rest from the other two girls that were pinch hitting along the way. All of the Old Testament now is around these 12 tribes. And from this comes the Messiah, Jesus, 2,000 years ago. Amazing stuff. All right, so that's that whole deal. Now, the next event with Jacob, there's several here. Uh, we'll be getting through them soon and moving on uh, to the life of Joseph. But uh, now this is, story is, is kind of interesting. Uh, in verse 25 of Genesis 30, after Rachel had given birth to Joseph, Jacob says to Laban, send me on my way so I can go back to my own homeland. He wanted his freedom again. He'd been there, I think it says at some point, like 20 years. But uh, give me my wives and children for whom I have served you and I will be on my way. You know how much I've, work I've done for you. But Laban doesn't want to let him go. And he pleads, well, come on, if I found favor in your eyes, we're family, we're buddies, please stay. I've learned by divination. So he's playing with stuff he shouldn't be playing with. He's into idols and stuff like that. There's a little story we'll write into with that. Uh, but again, these people know very little about God, but this is a problem for Israel for a long time through the Old Testament. Even though God said, I am the Lord thy God. There shall be no other gods before me. Don't mess with any other gods. He makes very clear when Moses gives the Ten Commandments, right? That's commandment number one. Despite that, they were always pulled to these other idols for so long until eventually uh, God cures them of it through some very strong discipline, which we'll eventually get to. So anyway, he's into, you know, talking to people, talking to spirits and stuff. And he says, I've learned that the Lord has blessed me because of you. The reason he's doing so well Laban is making out like a bandit. He's become extremely wealthy. And it becomes clear to him the reason this has happened is because of Jacob. God has blessed Jacob, Abraham, 
Isaac, Jacob, this blessed family. So he doesn't want to let go of this little blessing boy and wants to hang on to him. He says, name your wages, I'll pay them. What shall I give you? Verse 31. Jacob says, well, don't give me anything, but we'll do this one thing for me. I'll go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep or dark one or one with stripes and all this kind of stuff like that. And give me those. And then whenever the new goats and sheep and everything lambs are born, you get all the white ones, which were the primo ones, and I'll just get all the speckled and striped and spotted ones. And uh, the Laban says, great. <laughs> Here's a great deal. So what happens as you go on? Uh, this very strange thing. What Jacob does is he puts, he takes trees, uh, specifically, I forget what it is, poplar trees, almond trees, stuff like that. It says, and he would peel back the bark, exposing the white inner wood. So he'd do this sporadic. So there were like stripes and spots everywhere. And he put stripes and spots everywhere. And wherever the sheep would go for the watering, and whenever they were uh, uh, breeding, they were surrounded by all these spots and stripes and stuff like that. And consequently, all of the lambs and goats, whatever that were born, came out spotted and striped. So now he's getting everything. And he's making out like a bandit. He becomes extremely wealthy. This becomes a problem later. We'll get to it, but not today. But anyway, now, anybody who knows anything about animals knows just because you put them in a room with spots and they, they don't give birth to spotted critters, okay? Uh, so the question is, what is this about? How is this even possible? Now, it doesn't tell us. It just tells us this is what he does, and this is the result he gets. Three possibilities, and we'll let you go. Here, well, we'll let you go. <laughs> Got a few more minutes. But uh, number one, now some commentators assume, uh, well, God must have told him to do this. But that's just an assumption on their part. These commentators, uh, very intelligent guys, but not always right by a long shot. And uh, so all the ones I read, oh, God must have told him. So, But it doesn't say that God told him. Usually it says when God tells him to do something. It doesn't say anything here. So uh, it's possible, but uh, no record of it. Um, more like, there's, there's three ver versions of this. The second one would be that maybe God just blessed his simple faith. This was Jacob's way of expressing faith in God. I'm going to trust God. I want speckled, spotted things. So he put them in everywhere. There were speckled, spotted everything. It became the speckled, spotted world. And, uh, and because this was his version of faith. Now, it's not accurate. God doesn't really usually operate in those ways. But you'll often find throughout the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, God would honor people's faith uh, even though they weren't exactly 100% on in their theology. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is true even today. Don't think that you have to know everything about the Bible. Don't think because I haven't learned everything there is that I can't pray and trust God and stuff and, and do, you know, I got to do everything exactly right. We'll teach you about how to best approach God, what the Bible says, the biblical way to do things and why to avoid certain things. We'll, we'll do all of that. But even if you don't get all of that, God will still answer your prayers right now, even if your theology isn't 100% right. Do you understand? When I was first experiencing God in my life, when I first became a Christian, I didn't know anything about God. Seriously. I, I was making up everything. As I started reading the Bible, I started learning and growing more in my faith. But even though in the early days, God still showed up and did wonderful things and answered prayers in my life, uh, and God will do that. So, you know, and we get a lot of you new people coming to faith in our church, and you'll see various people doing all kinds of different things that, you know, we don't jump on them about it, but we try to 
correct and say, listen, here's how you, you really ought to pray and this is what you ought to do. But God, I think, will honor some of the simplest faith. People have different expressions early on. Like, <laughs> I don't know if he's here today, but there's a guy who's been coming to our church and uh, I was talking about giving, you know, several weeks ago. And uh, the power of giving, if you will give, God will bless you. That's what Jesus said. The reason people don't do it, because they don't believe what Jesus said. Even Christians, I know. Some of you, oh, I can't get, look at my money. It's, I'm just telling you. Everything the Bible says, if you will give, God will bless you. That's the power of giving. So he finally steps out in faith, and he does this. And he sends me an email, and he goes, oh, my goodness, this stuff actually works. As soon as I did this, I got this unexpected check for a whole bunch of money in the mail. He was so excited and writes, WTF, exclamation points. And emails it to me. And I'm like, two minutes later, ding, new email. Oh, sorry about the WTF. <laughs> but you know what? I thought, this is fabulous. This is great. Now, some pinheaded, pharisaical jerks was oh, brother, you can't say things like that. It's inappropriate. Now, it's this version of praising the Lord. <laughs> Seriously, I've told friends of mine, other pastors, and, uh, you know, they, you know, something come from the Bible Belt and all the proper Christian stuff. And I says, look, down there, you guys say PTL. Apparently, up here, we say WTF. It's kind of the same thing, just a little different. You know what I'm saying? But is it perfectly accurate? We, no, 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 of course. And right away, he caught himself. But that's okay. Just celebrate God. Man, grow in your faith. Everything doesn't have to be 100% accurate. So here, Jacob, just on his own, builds Spotted world. <laughs> and maybe God just answered his faith that way because he was stepping out in faith. The other final possibility, I think, is this. Maybe this was more for Jacob than for the sheep. Okay? It may have done more to build his faith for what he wanted. Now, this is a biblical concept and an accurate one. Jesus taught in Mark, the 11th chapter, verse 24 talking to the disciples. He says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. Now I say that and it probably just over your heads. I want you to listen to the, to the, what do you call it? <laughs> the tenses. I got tenseness right here. All right, the tenses in the word. Whatever you, whatever you want, believe you have received it, and then you will get it. I was like, the tenses are all crazy here, right? What is Jesus saying? He says, look, if you, when you first desire something, if you can actually believe inside that it is yours, and in a sense, have received it, it's yours, then God will see your faith, and you will get what you believe is yours. Does this make sense? I know it's getting a little tricky for some people. All right, it's like you've got to see it on the inside. If you can't believe it in here, you're never going to experience it out there. The power of seeing something internally is, comes the power of faith because we tend to believe what we can see. But what's more powerful than seeing it with your eyes is seeing it in here. Now, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. A lot of people come to me and, and their lives are in a, some struggle. And they say, Pastor, will you pray for me? And oftentimes I'll just ask them the question. I'll say, let me ask you a question. Can you imagine God answering your prayer? Can you actually see this thing turning around? And the vast majority of time, in fact, of all the years I've asked this question, I think I've only gotten the right answer once. 
the majority of time they always look at me and go, no, I can't even imagine it. Well, that's a problem. If you can't believe it on the inside, me praying for you isn't going to do a whole lot. We can get everybody to pray for you. It's not going to do a whole lot. If, if you're looking for something, oh, I need God to answer this, I can't even imagine it happening. That's not prayer. That's not faith. We can pray for you. We can See, a lot of people think, well, crying. God will, God will hear me because I cry loud. No. If crying brought miracles, we'd have miracles everywhere. Right? If suffering, if I'm suffering so much, God will hear me for I'm suffering. If that were true, there would be miracles everywhere. The one thing that moves God is faith. If you are in a place of unbelief, God cannot work in your life. There's a time in the New Testament where it says Jesus came, he was doing miracles everywhere, but he comes to this one place and it's said about Jesus, he could do no miracles because of their unbelief. We're talking God in the flesh, limited by their unbelief. These people were just, they couldn't imagine anything and God couldn't do anything in their lives. You've got to get to the place where you can see it on the inside. It's called faith. Say, Pastor, how do I do that? Well, if nothing else, just start imagining it. Picture your answer. Picture your answer. You should be able to imagine anything. If I said right now, imagine pink elephants with blue polka dots, most of you got that picture already. When you're to the point you can't even imagine what you want, and I'm telling you, it happens. That is a sign of unbelief. You need to pray through God, help my unbelief. You get to the place where it becomes, this, is, this works even if people that don't have faith. Seriously, you, you read stories about successful people who've made millions of dollars or changed the world in so many ways. Read their life story, they're fascinating. They fail over and over and over again before they become insanely successful. Do you know why? The picture they have of their success is so deep and so real to them they doubt the failures they actually experience. They doubt the reality because the dream is so big in them. And they keep going. They suffer failures that the vast majority of you, Stevens Point, Apple, all you listen to me right now, all you in northern Wisconsin, if you, any of you experience the kind of failures these people experience, you'd give up. You'd give up in RP. Man, some of you will never make an investment again because you invested in one thing once and lost $47. I'm never going to lose $125. Seriously, we run into people like some of you today. Oh, I lost a thousand dollars. I'll never do. Really? That's all it takes. You lose a thousand bucks, and the world comes to an end for you. These people who are socially never think in these terms. Their picture is so much bigger than their reality. It's really a version of faith. Now, coming to Christ, we need to experience that kind of faith when you're believing God for miracles in your life. You need to be able to. He says, if you can believe it, has already happened. It will now happen. The tenses seem all mixed up, but Jesus wasn't mixed up. He knew exactly what he's talking about. Maybe this was what Jacob was doing. He was filling his life full of spots and speckles and stripes everywhere he looked. Toward that became so real to him. He had so much confidence and so much faith. God started answering his prayers, and all of these animals started coming out speckled. It's fascinating stuff. Remember, it's faith is what gets God's attention. Remember the story in the New Testament where Jesus is going through a crowd and he's got thousands of people, multitudes of the Bibles. He's a rock star of his day. And they're pushing through this crowd. And this one lady, she'd been sick for so many years, thought to herself, man, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. 
And the Bible says in the midst of all the throng, she works her way in and she gets close enough and she reaches out and touches his garment. Instantly she's healed. The Bible says Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And all the disciples went, hello, everybody's touching you. Hundreds of people are grabbing at you. He said, no, no, no. Somebody touched me. He stopped and he turned. He saw the woman and said, because of your faith, you've been made whole. See, people crying didn't get his attention. People grabbing at him didn't get his attention. What grabs God's attention all the time is people who believe. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. We thank you that you've given us the gift of faith that we could believe even in Jesus. But Lord, help us to learn to fill our hearts with faith. Help us, Lord, to let our faith become more real than our realities. Lord, don't let us be filled with fear and doubts and to the point we can't even begin to imagine you doing stuff for us and then crying for everybody else to pray for us. God, that's not the way it works. Help us to have faith. Help us to be people of faith. Help us to read the scriptures, pray, fill our heads with positive things that builds our faith because you taught us nothing is impossible to him who believes. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.